0: Support for programming on NET Radio comes from History Nebraska, recognizing everyday Nebraskans who do their part to preserve and share Nebraska's stories. The history of Nebraska belongs to the people. To learn more, history.nebraska.gov. Support for programming also comes from Cornerstone Bank, a family-owned bank providing custom investments, trust, and estate planning services since 1882 with 46 central Nebraska locations. CornerstoneConnect.com, Cornerstone Bank, Building trust on a solid foundation. <music> Good morning and welcome to Friday Live here on NET Radio. Much of today's show is pre-recorded as we continue to protect ourselves and our guests from the spread of COVID-19. I'm Genevieve Randall. Ahead this morning, internationally renowned poet Kwame Dawes joins us to preview an event at the Leeds Center for Performing Arts combining music, art, and poetry. In about nine minutes, we'll learn about a new book written by Grace Bauer. And later in the show, we'll highlight music online, theater in York, and arts festival, in central nebraska and more Lincoln Friends of Chamber Music presents a concert online this Thursday, April 22nd, and it's a concert that may not have happened if there hadn't been a pandemic, in a way. I'm joined by Lincoln Friends of Chamber Music's guest musicians, Ron McFarlane and Carolyn Surick, to explain what I'm talking about. Good morning, and it's great to talk with both of you.
1: Good morning. Great to talk with you. Thanks so much for having us.
0: Carolyn Surick, just as a little background for our listeners here, you founded Ensemble Galilee in 1990, and Ron McFarlane, in addition to solo tours, you have played and toured with the Baltimore Consort for a number of decades, and that consort has been on the Lincoln Friends of Chamber Music series before And then 2020, of course, changed things for almost everyone who is hearing this discussion. I wonder if you would mind telling the story for the two of you then, how you came together to play this concert.
2: Ron and I have lived near each other for a very long time, although his primary residence is in Oregon. But his sort of family home is not very far from my home. I was like, hey, Ron, do you want to do a house concert? And so we started getting together to play. And then the pandemic happened and it became clear that house concert was not gonna happen. But we decided that playing together was so rewarding and so sort of surprisingly extraordinary that we decided to keep doing it. And then I said to him at a certain point, I'm like, hey, do you wanna record a CD? Oh, I guess there's nothing else. So we did this crazy thing, and and also because Ron and I have both been recording for 30 years with other ensembles, we needed to find music that we hadn't already recorded, that we loved.
0: You could write some new music as well for the two instruments that you play.
1: I think we've both enjoyed writing through the years. I have have a couple albums of, of exclusively original music for the lute and I've, I've sort of kept my hand at it and Carolyn has been writing tunes uh, that have come out on various Ensemble Galilee projects. So it just felt natural. In this case, we both play Renaissance music, we both play Baroque music, and we both have a great love for traditional music, especially Celtic music of Scotland, Ireland, and then the original music that we write just sort of reflects those interests that we already have. So it's stylistically, it's, it's rather wide ranging, even includes one piece by Dwayne Allman from the Allman Brothers. So it reflects all the different musical loves that we have. Whereas I think most recordings will be all recordings say of John Dowland or music of a particular era or particular country. This is just tunes that we love. that And so it's, it's very broad as a musician very often you have a love that goes beyond a narrow category that just embraces all aspects of your life. And I think this is the closest I've ever come to a recording that sort of shows all of my musical self and all its facets.
0: So the title of the album, which was released just a few months ago, is Fermi's Paradox. What does the title mean and how did you choose that?
1: It refers to Enrico Fermi, who is a physicist Uh, living and working in the United States uh, in the middle part of the 20th century. Uh, He was a very notable scientist. And he was interested in the paradoxical fact that, scientifically speaking, overwhelmingly likely that there is intelligent life on other planets somewhere in the universe, and yet there's no scientific proof of the existence of that life. And so he asked his scientist friends Where is everybody? So this is a a sort of musical embrace of that idea, trying to express the where is everybody question.
0: Ron, let's start with you as a lutenist and composer. How do you tell people about your instrument who aren't familiar?
1: I think people who don't necessarily know what a lute is have at least seen Christmas cards. And Christmas cards so often have a picture of a lute, which has a sort of rounded body. It looks a little bit like a melon because the back is very rounded. The peg box is bent back. It's often played by angels who are flying through the air, which is, by the way, my favorite holding position for the lute. It was a popular instrument through the Renaissance, the Baroque, even medieval times, in fact. But it kind of went out of style by around 1800, only to be revived again in more recent times, now that there's um a resurgence of interest in music of earlier eras. So I'm playing two lutes on this recording, a Renaissance lute, which has 10 courses. That means I have one single treble string, and then nine pairs of strings tuned in unisons or octaves, paired together just the way a modern 12-string guitar or a mandolin are paired. So even though there are 19 strings there, I think of it as 10. I'm playing a Baroque lute, which is the 18th century version of this instrument. Completely different tuning. The open treble strings are tuned to a D minor chord, so it's very resonant. And it has a whole range of diatonically tuned bass strings. So you can play most of the bass lines on open strings, as if you have a harp there that you can play with your thumb. So that has 24 strings altogether arranged into 13 courses two single trebles, and then 11 pairs of strings.
0: Carolyn, of course, same question for you. You play gamba or viola da gamba. What is that?
2: Everybody knows about the violin family. The violin family is the violin, the viola, the cello, and the bass. And it's actually called the viola da braccia family, the violins of the arm. They all have four strings, they're tuned in fifths, they're bowed overhand. With the exception of the bass and the cello, they're held on the arm. So the viola da gamba family was invented at the, around the same time, in the middle of the 15th century, both families of instruments started to be. And the gamba family are the violins of the leg. So they come in all the same sizes, but you hold them all between your knees so even this one that's the size of a violin it sort of rests on your knees the geometry is pretty similar but one's held on the arm one's vertical the gamba family has frets like a guitar has frets but my frets are movable so that when i'm playing with a harpsichord that's not equal temperament i can tune my frets tune and force with a third which is more like a guitar and it has a flat back. So it looks like the geometry of a cello, but it's more genetically linked to the guitar because it has frets, it's tuned and fourths with a third, and it's got a flat back. Also for the bowing, while the violin family is bowed overhand, the gamba family is bowed underhand. Otherwise they're exactly the same. Well, <laughs> But uh, then the other big difference is that when symphonies came into style, when Haydn and Mozart started really grooving around the Western world, the quality of the gamba was no longer the aesthetic. It actually has to just to do with the tensile strength of strings, which is that Haydn and Mozart wanted big sound. So strings went from being gut strings to metal strings. You can take a cello and put, Four metal strings on, and it's happy as a clam. You put seven metal strings on a gamba, and the neck breaks off. So the whole family of instruments went out of style around 1750.
0: Musicians that I've been talking with are Carolyn Surick and Ron McFarlane. Thank you to you both so much for spending some time with us.
2: Thank you. I'm really happy also to be coming back to Lincoln because Ensemble LA was an Aben music Lincoln twice.
0: I'm Genevieve Randall, and you're listening to Friday Live on NET Radio. Link to more about this concert with Carolyn Surick and Ron McFarlane or about everything you hear about on Friday Live. You can find the Friday Live page at netnebraska.org slash radio. My next guest here on Friday Live joins me to talk about her new book of poetry. Grace Bauer helped build the creative writing program at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. She taught there for over 25 years. She'll be joined by Hilda Raz on a reading, actually, this Thursday, 7 p.m. Grace Bauer's new book is titled Unholy Heart. Grace, it is wonderful to have you in the studio here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And Unholy Heart, that title, let's start with that. What's behind the
2: title?
3: Well, uh, it's a phrase that uh, uh, is included in one of the poems in the book, and i it's a new and selected poems, and the University of Nebraska Press, Backwaters Press, didn't just want to call it new and selected poems because, of course, if you try to Google a title like that, thousands of books will come out. So uh, I was charged with finding a title that would fit, and I searched through all the poems for a phrase. Uh, that I thought fit the whole book, which is with the selected poems is a little more challenging because it's five different books that have been selected from plus some new poems. So I wanted something that made sense for all five of those books in some kind of way. And after much deliberation and consulting with friends whose opinions I trusted, I settled on that.
0: I feel like it's trying to sum up a life or something when you've got poetry
3: from all those different places. Oh, it definitely is. And it's a big moment for me because, of course, there's only one time in your life, you're going to have a new and selected poems. I mean, maybe someday I'll have a collected poems, but the new and selected is, is kind of a career moment. And so I'm, I'm very pleased and very grateful to Backwaters and the University of Nebraska Press for working with me on this book. And they've done a great job. You know, the
0: Backwaters Press um, has a description of the collection on their website as the most elegiac yet what makes
3: this work in this collection elegiac? Pardon me, I get uh, elegiac. Oh, elegiac. Uh, well, um, the selected poems, uh, the, the new poems uh, are largely elegiac because a lot of what I was writing about was, my father died uh, It'll a little over two years ago, about two and a half years ago. And... We originally were talking about just doing a selected poems, and then they said, no, add some new poems as well. That would be more appealing to readers who maybe own my previous books and they want to see some new work. And I thought everything that I had new was very, very rough because I'm writing about my father's death, and I was writing a lot, but it was not very polished. I just wasn't. In the emotional space to do it. Then I also had a, a friend who uh, committed suicide, and I have, was working on a poem about that. So I really was sort of pressed to work on those poems. And there's a lot of dealing with grief, a lot of dealing with memory in in the in the. Newer section of of poems.
0: You know, Grace, that makes me wonder about what prompts you to take up that pen, or however you write, whether it's on the with computer a pen, or the with first the first <laughs>
3: Yes, I'm still old school that way when it comes to poems. There, yeah. there is a feeling about that, about
0: actually writing with your hand on paper. So absolutely, for me, yes. When
3: when is the spark? Is it different depending on the poem? It is different depending on the poem, but but I'm also one of those people who believes that you don't just wait for the big inspiration that you kind of have to show up and do the work. So I am in the habit, as I think many writers are, of just if a little phrase pops into your head which they tend to do at the oddest times, jot it down because you may think you're going to remember it but you might not. So I'm constantly jotting down phrases, jotting down observations, uh, quotes from other writers, things like that, and I, I just fill up legal pad after legal pad after legal pad of these kinds of things, and the vast majority of it doesn't necessarily turn into poetry, but it is part of the practice of writing Right. poetry for me.
0: Well, and you've got your new book right here in front of you. I imagine that you brought something to read for us this morning.
3: Yes, I will read, and this is from the 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 new poem section. Uh, it's less elegiac than some of the others, but it's a it's a very Nebraska poem. So I uh, thought I would read that. Uh, and a little background on this is I'm originally from Pennsylvania. And before I moved to Nebraska, I lived in southwest Virginia. So I have lived in landscapes where there's mountains and very hazy mountains sometimes. And this phenomenon that has happened to me for 25 years in Nebraska is every once in a while, I will have this moment where I'll be looking at at the horizon and there's the kinds of clouds we get in Nebraska. And for a few seconds, I think I'm looking at hazy mountains, and then I go, "Oh no, those are the clouds." Yeah. <laughs> so that's what uh, that's what this poem is about, and it's called "Highway to Mirage." This is not the first time you have mistaken clouds for hills here on the plains where the horizon stitches a hazy seam between sky and land and the eye does its best to contain what appears too fast to fathom. Scouting the distance for a silo or fence line that tells you someone claims they own this space, the wind and weather will often insist otherwise. There is something to be said for persistence, the human attempt to root as deeply as the native grass, which in certain light ripples like the flat water they named this state after, a grand illusion like those clouds that for a moment convinced you they were solid enough to climb. Grace, thank you so much for reading
0: that. Thank you. I like thinking about this sort of um it's not necessarily a battle, but sometimes it's nature. Nature has its own personality, its own agenda in a way, oh, yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. and and that's definitely in there for sure, along with all of your imagery. Yeah, yeah, it's oh, great, Grace. You retired from UNL um, in one of the weirdest years. Speaking of nature having uh, an, yes. it, its
3: own agenda, what's this year been like for you? Well, it has been pretty crazy. Uh, the whole COVID shutdown and at the university. Uh, Started in last March, of course, and I was teaching what I knew would be uh, one of my last class. And it just serendipitously uh, happened. It was just this great class. It was an undergraduate uh, uh, intermediate poetry writing class. And it just gelled from the beginning, and it was it was just one of them. Those classes I totally loved, and uh, I knew I was retiring. I knew I would have to move out of my office, so I was giving the students books by the box loads, and 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 uh, and then one day we just got this email that said, "Okay, tomorrow will be the last in person classes." So I did the last month of my last semester via Zoom, and. I had a lot of plans uh, for to celebrate my retirement. Travel was in the um, mix, and of course, none of that happened. So really, this book was kind of the highlight because it gave me a project. To work on, mm. and I had deadlines, and we wanted to get it out in a timely way. So I was like, "Okay, I'm, I'm just." It gave me something to work on for hours every, every day. To both with the selecting, which was, you know, a challenging process, really made me think of everything I've been doing for the past 30 years, and then of course working on those newer poems to get them, in in. A shape that I felt they were ready to go out into the world. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it was not the first year of retirement uh, that I had planned, but you just kind of had to go with what the world gave you.
0: <laughs> well, yes, and, you, and your book seems just like another example of how um, artists have found new importance in their art and created art they may not have even created had this whole yes. thing not happened. Yes. So. Poet Grace Bauer, she has a new collection of poetry. The book is titled Unholy Heart, a mix of past poems and new material, and she'll be part of a reading presented by the UNL Creative Writing Program coming up on Thursday at 7 p.m. along with writer Hilda Raz. Grace, thanks and, and be well. Thank you. Thanks for having me and you be well too. Thanks. I'm Genevieve Randall. This is Friday Live on NET Radio. You know, it used to be that you had to drive all the way to someplace like Wayne, Nebraska to see a concert of music featuring the bass clarinet, but now you can catch all that online
4: what if we expand this to an all bass clarinet recital and try that one thing led to another and we had a blast uh, looking up rep and kind of putting this program together and there's only been one other time in my life I've attempted an entire bass clarinet recital and that was a lot of fun so it was time to give it another go.
0: Meet two musicians on a unique live-streamed concert by listening to this week's Friday Live Extra podcast. Find it wherever you find your podcasts or listen on our website. That's at netnebraska.org slash radio. Stay with NET Radio. We'll learn about several arts workshops and a tour of galleries happening in central Nebraska along with a concert in Ord. Plus, poet Sadiq Zakogi is back this week with more of his poetry in about nine minutes. You're listening to Friday Live. (music) Thank <music> you. joined next here on Friday Live by Kwame Dawes, Glenna Lushai, editor of Prairie Schooner, award-winning author, creator, and poet, and professor of English at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. He is also the creator, curator, and director of an event at the Leeds Center for Performing Arts coming up on Tuesday at 7.30, every time I talk about Black voices in a time of change, poetry, art, and music. Kami, it's great to have you back on Friday Live.
5: It's always good to be on Friday Live (laughs) when I can be, so thanks for having me.
0: Tell me how you first conceived of this show. What planted the seed?
5: The lead approached me and they, I think, really moved by what was happening last summer, uh, what happened with George Floyd. I mean, this is still topical because of just tragedies that have happened recently. But they approached me and they wanted to do something. They thought they would love to do an event and so on. And I thought what might be wonderful is to do something that connected with us here in Nebraska, but also that I think spoke to the voices of black people speaking into the world. So I developed a plan for them, and I just, with some ideas, using our poets in Lincoln at the university in the English department, and then focusing on the work of Lucille Clifton. And with artwork, I mean, a really great opportunity was to bring in Aaron Douglas's work. Douglas, who was here in Nebraska and who was at the university uh, many years ago. And that combined with wonderful music, Mary Lawson, a beautiful musician for Miss and Jigs, I think we've got a great event. It's going to be wonderful.
0: In the Department of English at UNL, I think a professorship named after Aaron Douglas. That's right. It's yeah.
5: a, it's actually a university professorship, yeah, named after Douglas. Okay. The only one named after a black person, and we're working on that. <laughs>
0: okay. So how is Aaron Douglas's artwork incorporated in the event?
5: Well, Aaron Douglas is a wonderful artist, especially part of the Harlem Renaissance. I mean, there's a great essay by Langston Hughes called The Negro Artists and Racial Mountain. He wrote it when he was 24 years old, and this is the the beginning of the Harlem Renaissance. He's smelling himself, as they say. They're young, they're vivacious and excited, and he lists all the great artists that are among this young cadre of artists, and he names Bessie Smith, Paul Robeson, and Aaron Douglas. It's just a great little essay, but it's him just expressing the energy of black voices and the brilliance of black artists. And Douglas's work has been pivotal, um, really exciting expressing the history of black experience in America, but doing it in incredible artwork that was then developing a, an aesthetic that has affected so many other artists. And he was here.
0: You mentioned Lucille Clifton, who wrote several books of poetry, children's books, a memoir. What was your first introduction to Lucille Clifton or her work?
5: I'd known Clifton's work for a long time. Lucille Clifton has been writing for many years. She started publishing in the 1960s as a fairly young person. Clifton, Clifton, I met finally, you know, about 15 years ago as part of the Cave project, which is a retreat for African-American writers, and I had the honor to just sit with her and listen to Lucille Clifton talk. Uh, Clifton is an American treasure, I think one of the great American poets. Her capacity to write about the full range of experience with absolute confidence, we are talking about Toni Morrison kind of class, you know, we're we're talking about that level of importance and value and beauty. And I always remember this anecdote, which I I was witness to when some young poet said to her, Lucille, you had, what, six children or something like that? How did you do that and still be writing and so on? And Lucille said, well, when they were young, I wrote shorter poems. And I always thought... (laughs) I thought that was just beautiful. Just a committed artist, and yeah. uh, her poetry has been powerful and moving, so we decided to focus on her a bit as well.
0: Misandjiks has sent some of Clifton's words to music. H- have you had a chance to hear those songs I've yet?
5: I've heard it, and it's pretty good. Mary is a fantastic composer and singer, and um, really, really found a nice point of connection with Clifton's words. And Clifton has a complex simplicity, and I think that fits beautifully with Mary's sort of aesthetic and and poetic. So yeah, it's going to sound good.
0: Where does the phrase and the name of the event come from every time I talk
5: about? It's Clifton reflecting on when she has to talk about her people, when she has to talk about race. It's the first line of a poem of hers, and she's reflecting on what it does to the body, what it does to her every time she has to talk about it, every time she talks about it. Oh, it just speaks to us even now. Uh, overwhelming sense of sorrow and um, that we're going over these things again and again. And I think that's part of it. These young poets and writers in the in the creative writing program, I think it was wonderful to use Clifton because the women connecting with her fullness of writing about her womanhood and the voice of her womanhood, and that crosses all races and all experiences. But the intimacy of her examination of the lived experience Of African Americans in this world unabashedly, unashamedly, and sort of reaffirming this powerful notion that we are fit subject for great art. And that is not something you can take for granted. And I love the way in which these poets connected with it and then also wrote their own work for our event. So there's this great combination taking place.
0: So that brings me to your thoughts about the power of art, music, literature to bring about change or affect somebody's thoughts?
5: Art ritualizes experience. Art ritualizes feeling. Art ritualizes thought, allowing us to return to it and reflect on it and framing it in ways that allow us to reflect on it in complex and layered ways. It allows us to be contradictory, to understand that human emotion can be contradictory. We live in bodies that even seem to contradict themselves we live in bodies that must go to work the kids must be fed they must do these things and yet in bodies that at the same time must lament and and then moments of incredible joy i'll say poetry gives us that music too but let's talk about poetry (laughs) i think it it gives us the language to be able to have these sometimes conflicting, these sometimes varied and different ideas, but it ritualizes it through language so that we can come back to it. So as much as it's painful to return to painful subjects... We find solace in the ritualizing of it. We sing songs, we repeat mantras, we repeat chants. And I think poetry at its most visceral level is that kind of reaffirmation, but also a way to reflect, to meditate, and hopefully find a path out of it. I'm grateful to poetry for that, and I hope people who come to this event will be able to to experience it in, in that kind of way.
0: I've been talking here with internationally renowned poet and UNL professor Kwame Dawes about the event Every Time I Talk About Black Voices in a Time of Change, Poetry, Art, and Music at the LEAD Center this Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Kwame, thanks for your time.
5: Oh, it's always great to be here, and thank you for giving some attention to this event. Thank you so much.
0: And there's a link to more about this event on the Friday Live page. That's at netnebraska.org slash radio. You're listening to Friday Live, challenging, informing, and inspiring. This is NET Radio. Be sure to check out the arts calendar on our website. There are some online only or other socially distant events there in addition to some in person. And feel free to add your own arts or humanities event. That address to find events or add your own is netnebraska.org slash radio. Just click events. Here are some highlights. In Wakefield, Nebraska, the Little Red Hen Theater presents puffs or seven increasingly eventful years at a certain school of magic and magic. Shows are tonight, tomorrow, and Sunday. Meanwhile, at the Rococo Theater in Lincoln, tonight it's a musical showdown, Beatles versus Stones. And Monday evening at 7.30, the traditional An Evening of Choirs concert streams from Our Savior Lutheran Church in Wayne on the Wayne State College Concert Choir Facebook page. For more details about these events or other events, visit our website netnebraska.org slash radio.
4: Support for humanities-related programming on NET comes from Humanities Nebraska, delivering opportunities to engage with history and culture, on the web at humanitiesnebraska.org.
0: Support for programming also comes from Brian Luther at Compass Financial Resources, helping Nebraska educators better understand their pensions and retirement benefits through educator workshops. For dates, locations, and individual consultations, compassnebr.com backslash upcoming events. Support also comes from Union Bank and Trust with hardship loans and special considerations to help customers through these uncertain times. The people of UBT are here for Nebraskans and available by phone anytime. Member FDIC.
1: Hughes. Sadiq Sukogi is the author of Your Crib, My Kibla. His chapbook Inside the Flower Room was selected by Kwame Dawes and Chris Abani for APBF New Generation African Poets chapbook series. His poems have appeared or are forthcoming in the Cincinnati Review, Gulf Coast, Canyon Review, Oxford Poetry, Poetry Society of America, Prairie Schooner, and other literary journals and magazines.
6: Today, he reads one of his poems wine glass. When your mother found strands of your hair hung up in the teeth of your comb, your father scrolled them into a wine glass. It bites him hard that your life happened like an hourglass with only a handful of sand. This split to the sim of his body, a split of darkness that wouldn't kill him but squeezes adrenaline into his veins so he lives through the pain of your absence. He's not all right to speak. His voice rims with bereavement. And he wants to sing by your grave child now that birds blow songs through the window. Count sadness on the prayer beats necklaced around his collar If he had known the sky would inhale you out of him so quickly, he would have stayed with your toes forever in his hands. Your face is still everywhere, even in the places he is not looking. He presses a deep kiss on your grave, on your forehead, hands cloudy from rubbing the grave as if on your tender skin. The distance he feels is more than the 400 kilometers that often stands between you. He will travel this far to hold you against the moon. They say you are like his reflection. Pulled out of the mirror he stares into. To pull you out, he plunges his hands inside himself and pulls. Sadiq
1: Tsukogi Red
6: Wine Glass. Tsukogi
1: is a PhD student at UNL and serves as an assistant poetry editor for Prairie Schooner. He can be found on Twitter at S A D D I Q D Z U K-O-G-I.
0: had an idea for a book you'd like to write. Lincoln amateur photographer and historian Matt Steinhausen couldn't find a publisher, so he decided to try it himself. That meant he needed to do all of it himself, not just the photographs, but the writing, editing, design, layout, and marketing. Oh, and the financing too.
4: Being a self-publisher, it it creates a lot of anxiety because there's a lot of expense. Uh, It costs about as much as a down payment on a home to get 500 books printed. You can imagine the anxiety of loading a ton of books in the back of my truck and hoping that some of them would sell.
0: Hear a full interview with Matt Steinhausen on this week's All About Books as he talks about his Nebraska photographs and the hard work of self-publishing his book, The Least Interesting Place. Online now at netnebraska.org slash allaboutbooks. (laughs) ¶¶ Friday Live, a few different events. Tonight at 8 p.m., there's a live-streamed concert of jazz music from the Greg Simon Septet. This Sunday at 3 p.m., another live stream of All American Pops, a salute to American music from Nebraska Brass. And then also April 22nd, that live in Lincoln Thursday Night Music series features Jackie Allen and Han Sturm in a 7 p.m. concert. And here to talk about all of that, is Dean Heist, who's rustling papers in the background here from Arts Incorporated. Dean, I just wanted to point out before we chat about all these concerts, I noticed on your website, Arts Incorporated, in support of the arts since 1987. 1987, my math says that's 34 years. Good job.
4: I'm getting old. Good night
0: to hear the Greg Simon Septet, right?
7: Absolutely. Um, All the things that we're doing right now, almost all of them are live stream events.
0: Tell my listeners just a little bit about the Greg Simon Septet and its eponymous leader.
7: I know Greg well since he's moved to town. He's played with the Monday Night Big Band when we used to have real live gigs down at Shea Soto before everything got shut down. And he's a marvelous trumpet player. He plays with a lot of different groups and uh, I know he'll surround himself with excellent musicians. So looking forward to that. The
0: Sunday concert that I mentioned in my intro is a brass quintet with which you play the trumpet, a salute to American music. So what's the a repertoire for
7: that it kind of morphed from all-american to mostly american and, and <laughs> pop like music we've got an arrangement of welcome it's a shaker tune by uh, uh, gwyneth walker it's a whole lot of fun and a major brass quintet by Hubert Haufrecht. He um, wrote this 60, 70, 80 years ago, but we recorded it on one of our CDs, and it's one of our favorites. We have a pretty Gaelic hymn arranged by a former student of mine at Union College, Tim Runsey, called Morning is Broken. Uh, We're doing John Philip Sousa March, the Liberty Bell March, made famous by Monty Python, (laughs) Eleanor Rigby by The Beatles, It's a Canadian brass arrangement, Uh, Jelly Roll Morton, an arrangement of Dead Man Blues and Duke Ellington piece, Mood Indigo. And we're going to end it up with the James Bond theme, Die Another Day, which mm-hmm. is really exciting and loud. So <laughs> it should be a fun concert.
0: I'm always impressed with brass quintet music and the range you guys can cover.
7: So the nice thing about a brass quintet with the, the range of the instrumentation, two trumpets, French horn, trombone, euphonium, and tuba, mm-hmm. and multiple trumpets. You know, pick a piccolo trumpet I'm playing on some of these. There aren't that many pieces of music that have more than four or five voices happening at any one time. So just about anything from the symphonic repertoire to pop music to uh, jazz and Dixieland, there are lots and lots of transcriptions and arrangements out there for a brass quintet.
0: Looking ahead here, there's actually two more concerts to talk about. April 22nd, you've got Jackie Allen and Hans Sturm.
7: Hans has been uh, teaching bass at the University of Nebraska since he came to town. That was what he moved here for. He's played with everybody and uh, is a a real professional. And Jackie is just truly a great singer. We've had her with the Nebraska Jazz Orchestra. She's performed uh, for a number of different things that we've done. There's going to be a lot of familiar jazz standards and classics, and then there may be some new things that uh, you haven't heard before, but it's going to be just really well done and fun to listen to.
0: The next Nebraska Jazz Orchestra concert Concert on April 25th, and I'm assuming that's also a live stream. It
7: is. We got really lucky. The Lincoln Parks and Recreation has made the Alt Recreation Center available to us for our three concerts April, May, and June. It's a nice big uh, open space. It sounds good there. I played with a lot of different groups there. We're going to be able to social distance, and I doubt we're going to have an audience. We may allow a few family members for the uh, concert in June where we have the Young Lions Band joining us. We weren't able able to present our young jazz artist from 2020. So uh, we're presenting her, Reese Pike, on the April concert. She's uh, away at college, but she's recorded about 10 minutes of music with the rhythm section and is going to send that. So we'll include that in our live stream. And then the May concert will feature our 2021 young jazz artist. It's been relatively busy. We have over 55 different events that are mostly live stream that we have presented uh, out of our office since August. And uh, it's getting busier and busier. We're probably going to have that many in addition to that, if not more, by this next August. And we're also having some live performances we were doing a series of concerts that we are calling pop-up concerts at uh, Gateway Vista where my dad lives huh. and uh, the Nebraska Trumpet Ensemble was there on Sunday mm-hmm. and it was a beautiful day it was 68 and it was sunny and there was no breeze and I was wearing shorts I always wear shorts but <laughs> people in their their wheelchairs listening to us and covered in, in blankets and wearing their winter coats but they enjoyed it and they stayed to the end and had a lot of uh, uh, nice comments for us when we were done
0: thinking about The brass ensembles playing outside How are you, um, with Arts Incorporated and and your ensembles and those musicians, making decisions about how to present these concerts as you move
7: forward? We're not doing any live concerts other than a few outdoor things that I mentioned. The Lincoln Municipal Band was outdoors in August, and uh, we don't know if we're going to be socially distanced in the grass like we were last year. We spray-painted six feet apart for the band in the grass, and the audience was spread out. Parks and Rec was really good about spreading out the benches for our audience, and a lot of people just stayed in their cars and listen. So we'll wait and see how things are looking. But we surveyed our Nebraska Jazz Orchestra musicians and turns out all but one of them will have received both of their vaccinations by the April 25th concert. And the one that has not, the youngest member of the group, actually had COVID uh, last fall and recovered from it. So he's probably as immune <laughs> as anyone else. And we'll do the same thing with the municipal band musicians. So, so many of them are music educators. Mm-hmm. A lot of them have been vaccinated. Some are just old like me and got on the list early. But I think in general, musicians are eager to be vaccinated. They want to get back to playing in, in in public in front of people.
0: Well, I've been talking with Dean Heist about several concerts on the Arts Incorporated calendar. There's one tonight, one Sunday, April 22nd and April 25th. And we will have a link to the details on the Friday Live page. Dean, thanks so much. It's always a pleasure talking.
7: Oh, thank you. you. Appreciate it. Thanks for what you do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that link again to find more is on the Friday Live page. That web address is netnebraska.org slash radio. This is Friday Live. If you enjoyed that interview or an earlier interview and you wish you could hear it again, you can play today's show as many times as you like online or download it. We podcast the show each week and you can look for that later this afternoon on our Facebook page or on our website. The address is netnebraska.org. Next year on Friday Live, I'm joined by Carla Ott here in the studio with me to talk about a show she's directing with Yorkshire Playhouse or Yorkshire Playhouse, however you prefer. The show is called The New Kid on the Block, which is tonight at 730 with more show times tomorrow, Sunday and April 24th in a mix of in-person and virtual. Carla, it's great to have you here at the NET studios. Nice to be back. Thank you.
8: Quick point of detail, do you say Yorkshire or Yorkshire? You know, I was thinking about that <laughs> yesterday, because I always say Yorkshire, but other <laughs> right. people, it, you know, Yorkshire, Yorkshire Playhouse. I'm
0: going to go with Yorkshire because of the pudding, Yorkshire. like Yorkshire pudding, Yorkshire yes. Playhouse, yeah, right? I think, yeah.
8: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, so
8: Yorkshire has a show.
0: It's How's it been for the Playhouse and, and your cast kind of getting back into the swing of things? It
8: has been really nice to have, to be able to do live productions. Um, and, and with the virtual deal thing that we're doing as well, that's, um, that's been interesting. That's kind of a work in progress, but there, it's amazing uh, what they have done. They, they got some really nice cameras and they can run them from up in the booth. And so, I mean, it's, it's pretty neat little production. It's, it's never going to be like live though, Right. but, and you know, it's a learning curve. We had to, uh, do some things differently a little bit, but, but for the most part, it's been nice. And I like what our theater has done. Um, cause we we're allowing 30 people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we, and it's kind of cool cause they take all the seats out and then they only put in the seats where the reservations are. I see. So there's little like pods, like three or four seats, different areas. Yeah. And so everyone feels very safe and very separated. And so I, it, it, it kind of reminds me of um, Star Wars scene, the meeting with Padme, where all of the people are in, they're meeting the legislators. Right. Anyway, they're all in their separate little pods.
0: <laughs> i like, well, uh, any good Star Wars reference or metaphor, <laughs> Carla, is fine with but, me. So yeah. So
8: it, and it it's working very well. We, yeah. Yeah. And I think people are just glad to be able to get out, you know. Yeah.
0: Well, as those audience members are in in their little pods throughout Mm -hmm. the theater there, or watching virtually online, um, this particular show, The New Kid on the Block, we start out with three characters Mm -hmm. who live together in a retirement community, Mm -hmm. and they're looking for a roommate in their large house, but I understand there's sort of a misunderstanding.
8: (laughs) (laughs) Sort of, yes. (laughs) Um, The guy that shows up, when Will shows up, Will is actually a lady. (laughs) Oops. Uh-oh. So there's a little bit of uh, consternation there. Of what What are they going to do? So these guys l- are like all for it. And then the other guy's like, no, she can't live here. <laughs> so this is a comedy, of course. It's a comedy. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and then there's all kinds of twists and turns, though,
0: too. Because, mm. yeah. Okay. Twists and turns. And how big is your cast for this? There are seven. Seven, seven cast. people in there. Okay. Um, how did you discover this show and then choose to stage it at Yorkshire?
8: Uh, I'm... It, the play reading committee read it, thought it was hilarious and thought, oh, this will be great, you know, because there's always the um, actors that you kind of have in mind, you know, that you want to that we want to be in it or whatever. And so but it and it, it worked out um, a little differently than we than we thought. We've got some younger actors playing the older guys, but still it's working really well. So, All
0: right. I imagine that just adds to the comedy, though, Carla. Mm,
8: mm-hmm. <laughs> On it occasion. Does, It does.
0: <laughs> what, what's part of the show that
8: you enjoy the most? Oh, goodness. Well, I like, um, well, like at intermission the other night, somebody asked me, okay, w- what character is going to come next and blow everything up? You know, and I'm like, oh, just wait. Just wait. Because <laughs> there's, you know, the three guys and then Will comes in. And then her daughter shows up and she, yeah, it, it, it kind of complicates things. And then there's the nosy neighbor. And then there's this other woman that shows up that is trying to get Will to move out. Uh-huh. Yeah, She doesn't like having her there. So all of this... Different perspectives on it. You know,
0: I was thinking when I read the description, I was originally started thinking from the point of view of the three guys advertising for a roommate (laughs) and how funny that was that, you know, they get a little surprised. But then I put myself in the shoes of, Will, Mm -hmm. and what does she think of this situation? I mean, you know, so there are some different perspectives on Mm -hmm. this. (laughs) Yep.
8: For sure. Definitely. And I imagine it's a fun show for you to direct. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's been, it's been fun. Uh, this cast just kind of took it over. You know, I I call it the show that directed itself, basically. (laughs) That's nice for you. (laughs) It is. It's awesome.
0: Well, Carla Ott is my guest here on Friday Live. She is directing The New Kid on the Block, staged by Yorkshire Playhouse in York, Nebraska. Now, that's this weekend, and there is a mix of virtual and in-person, and you can link to more about the details on that on their webpage by going to ours at netnebraska.org. Carla, it's great to talk with you about your Yorkshire
8: show. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Yes. Thanks for being here. You're listening to Friday Live, serving your community anywhere that might be. This is NET Radio online at (laughs) netnebraska.org. is tomorrow all day with events and stops in Ord, North Loop, Burwell, Comstock, and Arcadia. Plus, the Golden Husk in Ord hosts a concert in the evening featuring Josh Hoyer and Soul Colossal. That's at 7.30. Don Hagee with the Golden Husk joins me right now to talk about it. How are you, Don? I'm
9: doing great. I'm so excited for our event.
0: How many times have you held the Nebraska Grown Arts Festival?
9: We started in 2017. Last year, we weren't able to hold the event, so we're very happy to be able to return to it this year.
0: Tell me about the participating galleries and locations.
9: We have the Main Street Gallery in North Loop. They're just a continuous partner with us. We always have an art display in the lobby of the theater. They have artwork from artists all over central Nebraska, for sure, and maybe even beyond. They have just so much diversity in their shop right now and betty carlson has been a great partner for the nebraska grown arts festival since its inception it's just a fun place to go tours so and they're very welcoming there so we're super excited about that gallery tour and then we also have the gallery art and creativity center in comstock and i know right now they have a big art show there with over 100 pieces Um, Sue Dowse is the owner of the art gallery there,
0: and she's an author and an artist herself. And the gallery tours and some of the workshops that you've got going on tomorrow get started at about 10 a.m. What are some of the skills or materials that participants will get to work with?
9: In Comstock, um, Sue offers a drying and doodling workshop throughout the day. And people can even come and hang out for lunch there and just spend the day with her there. At the Golden Husk, we try something new this year, and in the morning, we're going to have a watercolor class with a local artist who's also the art teacher at Ord High School. And so we're going to do that with a brunch catered by Jubilee Events and Catering. He will do some instruction at the beginning. And then we have just lots of fabulous colors to work with and different types of paper and spend about two hours doing a watercolor class in the morning. Then in the afternoon from one to three, we will have artists who are associated with the Main Street Gallery come in and lead different workshops. Those workshops will include glass work. So Betty Carlson will be doing something with glass. She does a lot of stained glass work, making sun catchers, being creative with clay, and doing some resin art, which I'm really curious about that. I'm not exactly sure what all that entails, but We have a local artist and photographer that's going to be working with resin. Those are just a few of the opportunities that people have. And those workshops in the afternoon are free to everyone and all ages are welcome.
0: There's a punch card that people can take to the different stops. What happens with that?
9: Anyone who comes and wants to participate in the Nebraska Growers Arts Festival throughout the day can pick up a punch card, and then everywhere they go, they can get a punch on their card and then bring their card to the concert that evening and be entered into some Door Prize drawings. And the Door Prize drawings always have gifts that are unique to each gallery and to the Golden Husk. We may include a new album from Josh Hoyer as well.
0: Well, that concert again starts at uh, 7.30. And you mentioned a new album. I did just see Josh Hoyer and Soul Colossal release that brand new album.
9: We are opening at 6.30. So people can come and have a social hour before the concert. And we will have special culinary treats from Jubilee Events and Catering, which is a local caterer here in Ord. People can come and share some beverages and great food and then get ready for the concert.
0: Anything that our listeners need to know this morning if they want to participate about any directed health measures or anything at this point? We do have options
9: for social distancing. In our area, we are currently just open as normal. However, we're still placing seating to accommodate people with social distancing. We also have mask and sanitation stations throughout the theater, and we've continued to do our extensive cleaning and things. Masks are not required, but they are encouraged. And we do have some options in the balcony where people can be really quite separated from everyone else. And so we want to make sure that people feel safe and, and they feel welcomed and comfortable to come and gather in whatever way works best for them and still be able to enjoy a night out.
0: Don Heggie is with The Golden Husk in Ord, and we've been talking about the Nebraska Grown Arts Festival in Central Nebraska, workshops, tours, and more at a couple of galleries. They start tomorrow morning. There's locations in Burwell, Ord, North Loop, and more. Don, thanks so much for telling us about this event.
9: Oh, thank you for having me. I sure appreciate it. And you can find a
0: link to more on the Friday Live page by visiting our website. That is netnebraska.org slash radio. I'm joined next on Friday Live by a Nebraska composer, Nolan Schmidt, and by Dr. Carolyn Barber from the University of Nebraska-Lincoln's Glencore School of Music. We're going to talk about a concert coming up with a premiere of a new work by Nolan Schmidt. Thanks so much for joining me on the show this week.
10: Thanks for having us.
11: Yeah, thanks, Genevieve. This is
10: great.
0: The concert that we're talking about is tomorrow at 7.30 p.m. It is given as a webcast, so anyone listening can see this online, given by UNL's Wind Ensemble. So I think, Carolyn, if you could, maybe we'll start with you giving listeners an idea of who and what that ensemble
11: is. The UNL Wind Ensemble, uh, this semester, comprises 41 students, and they range from Freshmen in their second semester all the way through doctoral student. It's an auditioned ensemble. So at the beginning of the semester, the the students try out and, and they get placed. It's a great team to work with, very diverse. We say wind ensemble, but it's a band. So if you think of flutes and clarinets and saxophones and all the brass instruments and percussion, the one thing we don't have is strings.
0: Nolan, I'm going to move to you next. And if listeners sense that maybe we sound a little familiar with each other, I will say that you and I were in music school together an undisclosed number of years ago.
10: (laughs) That is true.
0: (laughs) So, Nolan, I think the first question for you before we get to the piece itself that the Wind Ensemble is playing, how did you become a composer?
10: We were in second grade and we were writing a song in class. Our classroom music teacher had us do that and I was very arrogant and thought well I can do better than this song so I went home and wrote my own version of it and then brought it to school and showed it to her and she said oh, okay you should do some other ones. So it actually kind of started she encouraged me to do that and when I arrived at the university I didn't know that composing was even an option and a friend of ours you remember Stuart O'Neill he was playing piano in one of the dorms and I asked him what he was doing and he told me he was a composition major. And I said, you can do that. And so uh, that's kind of how I got into the university writing.
0: The piece that you've written here that's being premiered is your second symphony. How would you describe or characterize this piece?
10: It has a, a, you know, kind of an experimental feel to it in a lot of ways. Um, it, for people that are familiar, it's, it's basically the architecture of it is a sonata form, but it's not strictly that. Um, the piece has several different, uh, things going on. There's kind of a fanfare, angular type of melody that happens and then a more lyrical one. And they play back and forth with each other. These different melodies kind of greet each other and discuss things and then move on.
0: You wrote to me in an email that you think maybe the trumpets might have a suspicion that you hate them.
10: The piece is very challenging. It's an extremely difficult piece, and it's taxing. Brass players need some time off when they're playing because it wears on the embouchure after a while. And the brass players have the instruments on their faces quite a bit during this piece. It gets near the end, and after they've been playing for 15 minutes, then they're having to play these super high notes. And so I apologize to them in advance.
0: We're chatting here over Zoom, and I can see in the background that you are in a space that is your other job.
10: I teach instrumental music at two elementaries, Maxie and Clefcorn. My day job is in southeast Lincoln at these two elementary schools, working with beginners who are becoming new band members.
0: Do they know that you're a composer?
10: Some of them are aware because I actually had them listen to some things over spring break, and one of the pieces was something I'd written for band, and they had to write a little evaluation about it. And so uh, minds were blown a little bit, so that was kind of fun for me.
0: Carolyn, in addition to Nolan's piece, you have got some other great music programmed here for the Wind Ensemble. There's music by Percy Granger programmed, as well as something by a composer whose music I have loved since I was in college. David Maslanka.
11: If you're a a band person, uh, a conductor, a player, you're probably familiar uh, with Dr. Maslanka's work simply because there's so much of it. He wrote uh, nine and a half symphonies. Many of his works are pretty big, quite long uh, in terms of of the number of of movements. Uh, But he's a particular favorite of mine. His music is very emotionally driven. I think maybe is is a way to think about it. So that Anybody can hook in. The piece that we've chosen, it actually, there is a connection uh, to Nolan's work, believe it or not, through Dr. Maslanka. It's a piece called Unending Stream of Life. And the source material is a really familiar hymn to a lot of people. It's all creatures of our God and King. And he takes it, and he gives it to us first in the very traditional LeVon Williams uh, orchestration, which is just beautiful sort of classic Anglican approach. And he starts traveling uh, with the piece and all different locations, different moods. And he will ultimately loop back around and, and end up back in the in the neighborhood of Vaughn Williams. And when I was thinking of the program, I knew that Nolan's piece was going to be the centerpiece. And I thought, what would go with it? It's kind of like Pairing wine with food. Well, all right. That's the entree, what will go well. And I like it, absolutely.
0: There is a 30-minute interval in the web stream. And that, for the ensemble, serves to kind of air out the space that the musicians are playing in. But for the viewers in your audience, I understand there's going to be some bonus content.
11: Since uh, the, the pandemic, we have strict protocols that we work under in order to keep the musicians safe. It's one of the reasons we can't have an audience in the hall with us. So huge thank you to, to NET for allowing us to webcast and, and, and reach out in that way. Part of those protocols, since we play wind instruments, we're blowing a lot of air around and aerosols. And, and that's how the virus travels. And so you'll see on the webcast, the students have covers on their belts to help uh, mitigate the aerosols. They're wearing masks even as they play. They're at least six feet apart as they're playing. And we work for 30 minutes producing aerosols. Then we leave the space so it can air out and the air handlers and filters can all do their work. And then we can come back in and do another 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Before that 30 minute chunk, there will be an interview that I did with Nolan that people will be able to watch and get a lot of the backstory about the symphony. And there's also a spark page with some slides about all of the various pieces that we're playing with some photographs and little interviews with students and all kinds of stuff. So a, a lot of fun. I hope folks will, will explore that
0: We've been talking here about a premiere of a work by Nebraska composer Nolan Schmidt, as well as works by Miss Lanka and Granger. That is all on a concert led by Dr. Carolyn Barber with the UNL Wind Ensemble tomorrow evening at 730 p.m. It's so great talking with both of you about this. I really hope the concert goes well. Thank you.
11: Thank you. Thank you very much. You it's going to be fabulous.
0: And you can find more information about this and everything you've heard about on this morning's show by going to the Friday Live page. That is at netnebraska.org slash radio. Vesper Concerts returns this weekend in Omaha. KVNO's Corbin Hirschhorn tells us about that concert.
4: This Sunday, Vesper Concert Series will present Tiffany Williams' Can You Hear Me Now? Giving voice to the black art song and spiritual. Williams performed on a Vesper Concert of Gospel Music in 2019, and this will be her first solo performance with the series. Williams has a diverse background in music, learning both gospel and classical, eventually double majoring in voice and piano.
12: I am actually a trained classical pianist. I've been playing piano since I was five years old. I had a strong background in gospel music because I grew up singing in the church. It was actually my sophomore year when I was introduced to classical opera music. My piano teacher, she found out that I could sing from a solo that I did in choir, and she told the voice instructor there about my voice. And she persuaded me to do an audition for her. I did an audition for her. And that led me to become a dual major in piano and voice at Jackson State University in Jackson, Mississippi. And then after that, I went to pursue my master's from Indiana University, and I studied with Marietta Simpson, um, world-renowned mezzo-soprano, and um, now I'm just singing, and not only am I singing classical music, but I also have a love for soul music, and I'm also getting ready to release a album for that
4: can you hear me now represents this personal music history featuring music by black composers
12: um, well the repertoire that i put together for the Vesper concert series features music by black composers i wanted to Feature that music because I know a lot of times when we hear about black composers, the only thing that we really think about outside of soul and gospel, just strictly in the classical genre, we only think about um, spirituals. But I wanted to give voice to those black composers that not only are their spirituals, but you know, they're black composers that create operas and um, art songs and. I felt like it is my duty, not only as a singer to perform this music, but it's um, my way to preserve this music as well through performing. So I have some music by Chevalier um, Saint-Georges. He's what people would consider the black Mozart during his time. He actually um, wrote pieces um, for the French court and he was Marie Antoinette's um, music instructor. I'm singing pieces by H.T. Burley. Burley is more known for his spirituals, but he wrote beautiful art songs as well. So I'm doing a song cycle by him um, entitled The Saracen Songs. and Of course, I'm doing some of my favorite um, spirituals as well, but I just wanted to use this opportunity to educate that there are more than spirituals by Black composers.
4: Williams performed Can You Hear Me Now in Alabama's first congregational church last Saturday, which has a rich history of Black music performance.
12: Music has always been a passion of mine throughout my entire life. At a young age, I learned that the world is my stage and I should let my light shine everywhere I go. So that's what I try to do. Um, I love how um, relatable music can be for the listener through hardships, a frustrating day, or even joyous celebration. Music tends to hit on a deeper level and it is incredibly powerful. And every time I sing, it's my goal to create a beautiful reality that explores the emotional links between the music in the
4: text. Vesper Concerts presents Can You Hear Me Now? Giving voice to the black art song and spiritual this Sunday, April 18th. For more information, go to vesperconcert.org. For Friday Live, I'm Corbin Hershorn.
0: Coming up this morning on NET Radio, classical music on morning concert, and this afternoon, Laura Black with classics by request. Be sure to visit the NET website for podcasts of the show at netnebraska.org slash radio. Portions of Friday Live are pre recorded. thanks to everyone who makes Friday Live possible, including Carrie Meese, William Padmore, and associate producer Dave Hughes. I'm Genevieve Randall. Support for programming on NET Radio comes from The Ross. Opening today is Stray, a patient meditative film on the lives of Istanbul's stray dog population that uncovers truths about the human condition. Continuing is Oscar Shorts 2021, three programs featuring the Academy Award-nominated animated live action and documentary short films. Details at theross.org. Support for programming also comes from Bedient Organ of Lincoln, celebrating 50 years of designing, building, and servicing pipe organs throughout Nebraska and across the United States. On the web at bedientorgan.com.